Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, uh, when our audience sends me emails, amongst the top topics they want to talk about is video. Uh, Social media, uh, it is. That's why we have Chris Carey on the the program today. Uh, Chris uh, has a very unusual company, which I'll ask him to to describe, because I find it fascinating. And I, I see a great applicability in the coming months uh, for small business. But first, as we always ask our guest, Chris, tell us a little bit about your personal background, and then we'll get into your company and uh, uh, video. Okay, great. Well, Don, thanks for the invitation. Um, so I uh, a little bit of background, I guess I... Um, uh, graduated from Princeton University, uh, married my uh, grammar school sweetheart, uh, uh, went into our first business uh, uh, doing an MBO when, when I was 23, uh, partnered with my wife throughout my entire life. We've done a number of businesses together. We're really an entrepreneurial team. Uh, we've got wonderful complementing skills. Uh, I guess I'm more sales, marketing oriented, and piece uh, operations oriented. So, um, uh, raised our children in New Jersey, uh, and about 11 years ago, decided to, as empty nesters, and we moved into uh, New York City, uh, found a terrific spot in uh, the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. So that's where we are today. Oh, okay. And, and you're still married? <laughs> yeah. We just, actually, we just celebrated our uh, our 40th anniversary. Oh, well, God bless you. It's interesting. It's uh, we often see um, over the years that we, we've had Small Business Digest, we've seen couples start off together, and it goes either one of two ways. It makes the marriage more solid, or they end up in divorce court. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, anyway. But, but Chris, uh, now tell us about what I hope our audience does as well. Um, so we've... Um we were fascinated some years ago about the advent of lower-cost video technologies and, and the idea of being able to catch performances and, and other, other goings-on around, around New York City. Um, when we first launched the, uh, the, the product, um, 
we uh, we were shooting restaurants and bars and, and and shooting people hanging out at the place, thinking that people wanted to see what was going on at their local hangouts. Um, and uh, we put up our first two locations on the Upper West Side, and and the West Side Rag, which was a, a local West West Side of New York uh, blog, came out with an article about us, and they and they surveyed their and polled their constituents, asking the question, "Creepy or cool?" And, and overwhelmingly, 95% said it was creepy. So we we realized we had a problem, and we we we, we performed a major pivot. Uh, this was like three and a half years ago. Uh, and decided that instead of just restaurants and bars, what we would do is focus on performance spaces and try to capture music and entertainment arts and stream that to the public. And uh, we started doing that about three years ago. Um, and, you know, just uh, along the way created this proprietary platform for streaming live and recorded video. Um, and so uh, that's where we are today. We're, we're streaming from about 40 venues in New York City. Uh, it's everything from emerging artists to music uh, classical, jazz, it's comedy, uh, uh, poetry readings, uh, every form of entertainment. So you're saying that in some 40 locations in New York, uh, you're actually recording what's happening live, or do you do it on tape? Uh, yeah, so we've, we've designed it's sort of like the Honda model. We've designed this incredibly efficient model where we install it uh, a system in a uh, in a performance space, a club, a nightclub, whatever. Uh, we put up a controller, a pan tilt zoom, Sony camera, uh, hook up to the soundboard and to the internet, and so we we just turn on and create a broadcast event uh, in conjunction with our with our clients. So tonight, uh, you know, you'd go on our system, you'd see probably 30 different performances tonight um, in a given week. Uh, we're broadcasting live over 200 shows, uh, and we're doing that with, uh, you know, a handful of seven, eight employees. Wow, that sounds that sounds interesting. But let me ask you quite a question I'm sure every venture capitalist has asked you. How do you make money? <laughs> well, making money on the Internet is not easy. You know, there's, uh, there's lots of business models out there. Um, where, where we're gaining traction is in, in two basic areas. Well, three, really. We're, we're, we're getting some revenue from, uh, from our customers, uh, our venues. Uh, we're performing some social media tasks, uh, and, uh, and we get a basic monthly fee. Um, the second major area, which is the bulk of our revenue, is coming from uh, digital display and video ads. Um, and then we are also uh, just introduced a, a, a month or so ago a subscription application, which enables us to charge a, a subscription fee for specific events. Um, so our revenue uh, last year in 2013 totaled around $40,000. Uh, this year uh, we had um, we've had uh, around uh, I said 90,000 in the first quarter. We jumped to about 150,000 in the second quarter. I'll, I'll release my results in about uh, three or four weeks for the uh, third quarter. But you know, I expect our year to be uh, you know significantly bigger than than last year, and uh, you know, may, you know, maybe more than 600,000 uh, dollars in that range. And then in 2015, I I think that we'll we'll be able to jump up into the one and a half to two million dollar range. 
Wow. Now that's a that's a startup. Uh, <laughs> but, but now let's go into a little bit of detail. Um, let me, uh, for instance, uh, if you go into one of your uh, venues and, and you're a, a jazz musician ensemble, uh, do you have do you have to get a release from them to broadcast it? Uh, yeah, every one of our venues uh, has a, uh, uh, a process for getting approvals by the artists. In some cases, uh, we perform that service for them, uh, but they, they, they typically will include a paragraph in the engagement contract which uh, allows them to opt in or out on uh, live streaming with us. Hmm. But uh, do you then own the performance um the copyright to the performance well we are we are acting in trust for the performers and so when we rec- when we uh, stream live it also records and it becomes it, uh, uh, it, it, it gets included then in our archive which uh, consumers can go and uh, search by performer venues date uh, genre music etc um, and so if the performer, oftentimes the performer will use the recording as a way of marketing their services to other venues. Uh, they'll uh, use it as a way of reinforcing their relationship with their fans. Um, you know, and if, uh, if a performer has a problem um, and they instruct us, we, we take it down and, you know, erase it. Um, but, but to give you an idea, three years ago, we, we finished the year with about 800 performances in our archive. Uh, last year we added uh, 3,300. Uh, this year I think we'll add another 8,000 performances. Well, they say content is king, and you're getting a lot of content. Well, it's yeah, it's um, it's it's sort of like drinking from a fire hose, you know. So what we're doing is um, we're basically we come in in the morning and we have a production video production staff. They come in and they comb through the performances from the previous night and day, and they curate out song-length songs, uh, uh, a poetry reading, a comedy routine, and we repurpose the content uh, both on our own webs- owned websites and with uh, third parties, and that's, uh, that's, that's how we're, we're basically monetizing um, for, uh, for revenue. Well, for our audience, what is your website? Um, so our main website is www.gander.tv, and on there you'll wait, spell see... It out. All, wait, wait, uh, Chris, spell it out. This is radio, not TV. We can't run a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, www.gander, G-A-N-D-E-R.tv, not .com, .tv. Um, and on there you'll see all of our live broadcasts. You'll see a schedule coming up for tonight and in the future. You'll see all the, uh, the venues and all the thumbnails of archived recordings. Um, and then there are a number of sites like music.gander.tv, like uh, videos.gander.tv. There are a number of sites where you can see clips of all these performances um, you know, running, uh, uh, and you can select from a number of different uh, uh, performances over the past couple of months. I, b- I bet you over a couple of years you're going to, uh, in this, find a couple of superstars uh, who were back then when. Yeah, it's it's a very funny idea, you know, that uh, some of these groups that, that are in, a, in some of the smaller venues, you know, they may be 
playing for the Tip Cup, and and uh, uh, you know one day they they may be famous. I think it's a really interesting concept. It, it very much is. I, I happened to be talking to someone uh, yesterday. I saw Mer- Peter, Paul, and Mary when they were still playing uh, local clubs in uh, in the village, and wow. I often. W- and I often wish, um, uh, because I, I always thought that their performances were much stronger, much uh, more vibrant as they went over the years, because yes. they were younger, obviously, um, uh, and, and still testing their material. And I'm sure <clears throat> other people uh, have other experiences. Even um, uh, the boss had to uh, have started someplace. Uh, what is it, the, the the pony or the... I uh, forget the one in Asbury Park. Yeah, but, Stone uh, Pony. Yep. Stone Pony. But the point being that uh, I, I I suspect you're uh, catching a, uh, a lot of people uh, in the early stages of their career. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting when you when you read back about the early periods of rock and roll, and you you know you you, you see Bruce Springsteen at the Stone Pony playing to you know 100 people and. Uh, and Bob Dylan uh, at uh, um, the uh, the club in the village, and you know, just the bitter really, end. The bitter end, yeah. Very exciting. Well, I have to tell you, I actually did see him in the bitter end. I'm that old, but I didn't appreciate him. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. I, I was looking so I, at the blonde next to me. <laughs> All right, we we, we caught uh, Ray Charles at the bottom line. Uh, with with the Rayettes, uh, you know, in an audience it was probably a hundred people. It was amazing. I mean, so you know, maybe one day that uh, we'll, we'll we'll find the the next big star come up to our uh, our recordings. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more of, because this is a small business program, and uh, and you're uh, uh, really uh, uh, a pioneering uh, video as a uh, as a. Uh, uh, a form of uh, marketing, but uh, before I do, I have to tell you what just came across my my desk uh, uh, before the program started was another uh, type of program, another type of uh, video that they play your video on a huge truck screen as they go through the streets of uh, certain cities. Uh, huh. uh, 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 you know, whatever video you wanted. I, I thought that was fascinating, and, and yes. they offered that. Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to get back to them, but I, I wanted to uh, just because uh, video is, uh, is such an impactful um, uh, medium that, uh, and what you're doing, um, I think has applicability in a lot of different places. Um, but what are the problems you face doing all of this? Uh, well, I, I, there, there were a number, you know, I mean, but the, the first, the first big challenge in, in starting any new business is you, you really have to figure out, uh, you know, how do you want to go to market and, and what discipline do you want to practice? And, and there's three choices. You, you can either be the low cost provider, you can be the Walmart in your industry. And, and the, and the watchword there is that, is that you have to have the lowest cost so you come up with the lowest price. And, and so that is a discipline is it's available, but it's very difficult to execute if you don't have scale, you know, to get to get sort of the quantity discounted prices and costs that, that Walmart does. 
but but that is an alternative. And the, the second is to go to market uh, with a focus on dis on, on the discipline of innovation, to where you're constantly ahead of the market on innovating new and interesting products, sort of like Apple. Um, and, and the third is where you're really focused on providing extraordinary customer service and a willingness to customize your solution to the to the to the demands of the customer. And um, and that's sort of like uh, Disney or or even Zappos, uh, online uh, retailer for shoes. Um, and so early on, we decided that we were never going to compete with with uh, Amazon. We were never going to compete with uh, these uh, you know innovators who are, who are coming you know have huge tons of resources. Um, and and what we decided to do was was really focus on providing extraordinary services. So we have surrounded our customers and the performers. With you know fantastic services, uh, you know we provide downloads. We, we we do social media work. You know you were saying earlier uh, there was an article I read recently from PR Newswire that video attached to a social media stream increases share by six to ten times. Um, so you know we're taking advantage of all these resources to to provide great service to our customers, which they're reali- realizing in significant increase awareness of their venue and the content and the artist performances. So, so the first big thing for me is how are you going to market and and how are you going to differentiate yourself and how are you going to provide value? And and so for us, you know, the, the value we're providing to the to the venue and the and, and the artist and, and then to the consumer on on providing really interesting content that they can they can uh, view and share and, and toss around. Which, which we're then able to obviously monetize through all these page views. I mean, we, last month we, we had almost 50, 50 million, five zero million page views, um, which means that in a given venue, I'm bringing them a million or two million uh, views, each, viewers each month to their content, which, you know, these venues, they may spend thousands of dollars and have interns utilizing social media and other digital marketing tools to, to maybe bring 30,000, 40,000 people to their website. And I come around and, through video, bring a million or two million viewers to their content. And so, so the, the first big thing is, how do you go to market? And what differentiation do you have? And what value do you bring to your, your consumer groups? Wow, that's real value. But how did you convince the first people to do it? <laughs> There's always... <laughs> You know, the, 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 first, the first broadcast was bleak. I mean, the thing kept going down. We, we were utilizing, at the time, we were using a, a fixed security camera that, that was, uh, you know, just impossible. Anytime we wanted to change it, we had to go to the site. Uh, you know, but we, you know, we, you know in, in any market, I, you, you probably are, have read the, uh, or aware of the uh, Crossing the Chasm, you know, introducing new technology into a marketplace. A fantastic book, and um, you know what the authors suggest is that there are early adopters in a market in in just about every market I've, I've experienced, uh, and there are early adopters who are willing to take risks and chance with and chances with a, a startup, with the hope that one day they may get some mass massive uh, improvement or gain in their business, um, and so it's, it's they're they're not easy to find, but once you find them, they're incredibly dedicated and willing to work with you. They're willing to put up with glitches and problems, uh, just so you know you eventually, over time, get it right. And you know, we, we had we had some really fantastic clients: the New Eureka Poets Cafe, 
Cornelia Street Cafe. I mean, these, these fantastic owners who were willing to work with us uh, through the bumps and grinds of getting it to work properly. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I attend the Italian-American Poetry um, uh, Writers Association, and we're there every other month. Do you do uh, our shows? Love to. You know, we're we're, uh, we're going to introduce this as a little ahead of our announcement, but we're going to introduce uh, next month a uh, a Partners for Poets program where we're where we're streaming. Uh, we'll be streaming exclusive content from six or seven of the major uh, poetry organizations in New York City under a subscription model. So you'll be able to pay one fee, and you'll be able to, every night of the week, there'll be some proprietary, high-quality content that you can, uh, that you can, that you can watch, uh, you know, like a couple hours uh, each night. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to that. Uh, we have both poetry and we have readings from uh, various books. Uh, uh, you, you happen to mention the Cornelia, and that's where we have it. Do you, uh, you don't happen to offhand know if they they uh, uh, they they stream our pr uh, program. I haven't seen a camera there, but maybe I'd never looked. Um, I, I would I would bet uh, I would probably bet that there's a hundred percent chance that your your broadcast that you have that you are on our site in a broadcast. <laughs> Well, I, I have to go back. They've been uh, uh, anyway. I do a radio program every Saturday night, um, uh, 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 and uh, I have difficulty getting there. But uh, now that I know I'll be on television, I'll make a point to it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you, you, you can go to go to www.canada.tv, look up look up the venue uh, Cornelia Street Cafe. And you can search uh, the name of the show, and you'll you'll see if you if you're holding it every week, I I, will, I, will, I have a high degree of confidence that you'll see every show that you have there. Well, we do it at once uh, every other month. We're there at Cornelia, but the, okay, yeah. well, let's get back. Uh, you know, you know how coincidental life is, and that's an, another coincidence. But let me ask Amazing. you. Um, let me ask you uh, uh, another question. Um, how many uh, programs do you do uh, each each day? Uh, um, and do you well, do you have a massive uh, studio, or how do you do it? Well, it's it's you know it's just amazing. We, we've we've got um, these systems located in all these venues. Uh, we have a staff that uh, that coordinates with our customers and. They set uh, performance uh, broadcast events on our system. So you'll go there and you'll see, like, Cornelia Street has an event tonight and maybe two tomorrow. Um, and then, um, you know, we just use social media to get the word out. Um, and uh, when you go there, you'll see the live performance comes up, and when it's, while it's streaming, it's recording, and then it shows up as a thumbnail on the venue for, you know, viewing at your leisure. Um, but, you know, every night is different because... You know, some some clubs are open every night. Some clubs are not. So, at the end of the week, though, this this week we'll we'll do somewhere between two hundred and two hundred and twenty different performances. Wow. Now, another interesting thing, and and something that your that your your listeners might be interested in, is that we found a need to have people monitor these shows at night, um, but but our staff was working, you know. 
10 until 6, 10 until 7 every night, and then people were taking turns monitoring the feeds after hours, which was just killing everybody. So uh, we went on to Odesk and put out a request for engineers, and uh, our wife hired uh, two engineers, one in Pakistan and one in the Philippines, and they come on at uh, go, they go to, they come on to work at 6 p.m. our time, and they monitor the the broadcast until you know two or three in the morning, and they move the cameras around, they zoom in and out, they adjust the the, the uh, sound volumes, uh, you know, give advice to the uh, to the to the uh, sound guys at the at the venues to adjust lighting, um, you know, so we get good we get good recordings. <laughs> and all all from. Uh... Uh, out of the country, it, it, it's amazing. Um, Isn't well, let me amazing? Ask, well, let me ask you another. Uh, I have I have a lot of questions, uh, but um, uh, uh, you do it for venues. But for instance, I'm sitting here w- wondering why I can't talk to you about um, uh, doing this show as a video show uh, as well as a radio show because it would just seem. Uh, but you don't have facilities to do that. Well, if I guess I guess the question is is if is if right now you're sitting someplace, right? Right. And 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 you're you're doing your show, and I don't, I don't know whether that's in a studio or at your kitchen table, but there's no reason why I can't broadcast your broadcast you live while you're doing it on the radio. There's no reason. Right. Right. Uh, well, but I'd have to, what I would think would make the, a great program, and what, um, uh, well, uh, uh, by the way, uh, for a small business, uh, I don't think they have to necessarily be in the New York area to uh, uh, do this. Uh, but I, what I would love is to find a venue where I can bring my guests in and sit down and we can have a, uh, uh, back and forth, exactly like we're having now, but with video. Um, uh, uh, because sure. You know, I, I, well, anyway, I we, that... we can talk about that offline. It's just, uh, 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 when I heard about you, I was just so fascinated by it. And, but it also means that uh, people who are not in the New York City area could, in effect, be any place and see New York live New York City performances. Yes. Wow. I, I I know it's coming. You know, I did the first live feed out of Saigon for NBC News, and we had wow. to bounce the signal off of two satellites, and we only had 18 minutes to do it. And here <laughs> we are. Literally, two two satellites crossing, and we bounced the signals off. But That's anyway. It was, but um, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that um, uh, it's just an absolutely uh, amazing. Um, we, we have a, a, another guest showing up, and uh, um, I'm going to invite them to come in so we can find out who's there and uh Hold on a second. Uh, hello there. Welcome to the Dan show. Dan Perkins. Thank you. How are you, Dan? Well, I'm well, fine, thank um, you, sir. Uh, Chris Car- Carey is on 
with us. Uh, it, the number threw me off because I saw uh, I was expecting your no normal number. But uh, uh, we're just finishing a fascinating interview with uh, uh, Chris C Carey. Uh, and, uh, Chris, uh, I don't want to. I want to finish off. Dan Perkins and I, every Tuesday uh, at five o'clock Eastern, do a, uh, a, a program. Uh, with uh, Jim Lowe, uh, uh, we do uh, 45 minutes of cantankerous talk. But uh, he would be one of the uh, he would be one of the first people uh, uh, to, to just give Dan a little bit of uh, what you do, Chris, because I found this really fascinating. And um, our audience, I'm just so we, going right uh, ahead. We Basically, we, uh, we've created a proprietary platform for streaming live and recorded video, and we're, we're located today in about 40 venues in New York City where we have a fixed, you know, installed system uh, where we broadcast music, comedy, spoken word, etc. cetera. Um, we're, we're broadcasting, obviously, over the Internet. And in a given week, we're doing around 200 perform different performances. Um, and... Um, they go up on our website, and we have uh, dedicated venue pages and events, uh, event sections, and all sorts of social media connectivity for people to leverage the streams. And we're getting about uh, 15, 16 million visitors with about 40 or 50 million page views a month. Is this done over the over the internet only? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How how is it different than what we see sometimes? My wife and I are avid moviegoers. And we see this every, every once in a while. We'll see an advertisement in a movie theater for a live Metropolitan Opera broadcast through that theater. Uh, so, so the, um, the Metropolitan Opera has has created a product in conjunction with Fathom, which is uh, which basically lines up the uh, does all the technology and lines up the the movie uh, the theater screens uh -huh. uh, and. And, and basically, the, the the basic technology of capturing the performances and streaming them to the theaters is very similar to what I'm using. I'm just using it in a different way. So I I've got I've got a system in Chlamydia Street and and Cutting Room and Wedge Hall and SLBs and New York Port Cafe and Stage Seventy Two, all these different places. And so um, our our customers give us their schedule. They get approvals by the artists. And then at you know, 7 o'clock tonight, they kick off an event that streams live for an hour or two hours and gets recorded and goes up on our site. But it's, the concept is very similar to what the operas do. And did I understand you to say you're primarily in New York City? Uh, right now, uh, all of our venues are in New York City. Um, we're, uh, we're planning to go to uh, additional cities this year and uh, hoping to get to Nashville next. Okay. And could you do sports too? Uh, yeah. Right now we're, we're we've been focused on you know performance arts. Okay. Um, and have not done we've not done any sports yet. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know we take our technology we can put it anywhere really. Is there a fee for the service? Uh, yeah, our venues pay a small monthly fee, and uh, and then we're monetizing through. Uh, to display and video ads. Okay, super. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, Chris, uh, uh, I want you to come back in the new year and talk Great. some more. But I've also, uh, hopefully, um, 
I uh, can't do it this week, but I'm going to try to get a, uh, get your uh, uh, phone number to talk further about this. But let me ask you, for our audience, if they want to get in touch with you, and again, the name of your website? is www.gander.tv, www.gander.tv. And um, you can just go on our website and, and contact me through, you know, through an email uh, address that's on there. All right. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. This has been an enjoyable one and a learning experience for me. Well, nice talking with you, and I uh, appreciate the invitation. If you want to stay on, you can. Dan Dan Perkins is going to talk about he's a uh, well he's a Renaissance man, author. Um, uh, uh, um, he's a manager of money. Uh, he's a lot of things, and and also uh, like me, opinionated, which is good for for this show. So if you want to stay on, you can. If not, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. I'm going to go. I'm going to go listen on my computer. Have a good day. See you guys later. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, um, you know, it's very opportune. Um, we always ask our guests first to say a little bit about themselves. Well, their I'm a registered personal. I'm a registered investment advisor. Been managing money in, for over 41 years. Um, still managing it, even in today's markets. And a uh, uh, little over three years, two years ago, um, I started writing novels, and I wrote a, I wrote a trilogy uh, and um, on terrorism against the United States by Islamic terrorists who you have acquired a nuclear device, two nuclear devices, and they attacked the United States. So the first book is called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, a terrorist perspective. The second book in the trilogy is called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, America Rebuilds, which means something bad happened. And the third book of the trilogy, which will be out in December, is called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, America Responds. And um, some people who I've done interviews with who have read the book seems to think that uh, um, I made some wonderfully lucky guesses about what was going to happen in this country. Um, and uh, they find my books, I think you read my first one, um, they find them uh, entertaining, scary, and challenging. Um, I also recently started a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers, and it's a non-profit organization that is trying to deal with the, uh, the soldiers and the veterans in the hospitals um, you know, the Wounded Warrior Projects and the Folds of Honor and all those organizations do a wonderful job for the soldiers of their family after they leave the hospitals. But um, I'm trying to work with the, with the soldiers and the veterans while they're in the hospital. And so what I've brought together is a package, uh, a website called songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. It's not up yet, but we'll be up within the next uh, three weeks and uh, we're going to give the soldiers uh, MP3 access to about 20 million songs that they can choose from, probably 50,000 audiobooks. And then we're creating uh, a section, which will be the, the most difficult to produce, but it's because it's all original. Um, 
something special. And in something special, we'll have uh, sections of new authors and new performing artists to get an opportunity to show their wares. Um, we're going to have um, a section called My Story, and I've already started to do that. Uh, we hope to record as many interviews as we possibly can with the remaining Second World War, Korean, Vietnam, all the way through to Afghanistan soldiers uh, and their story as a soldier. I started two weeks ago in uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio at the VA hospital and got several interviews. And uh, we hope over time that it will become the largest repository of oral history of American soldiers anywhere in the world. And uh, then we give the soldiers, the foundation gives the soldiers the MP3 package, which is the player, the earphones, and uh, the USB cable and the charger and everything. We give them the, give it to them for free so they can sign on to the, our, our portal and get accessibility to all this stuff. Um, we really try and sh deal with a, a very severe problem in, in dealing with the uh, sick and injured military um, if you think about 24 hours a day, there's about 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness. And most of the activities that are done in hospitals or rehab centers or wherever are done during the, day, the daylight hours. The clinical staff tells me at the hospitals that I've been to that the dark hours from sun, sunset to sunup are where they have the greatest challenge with post-stress disorder uh, anxiety, anger, frustration, uh, whether they're in the hospital, whether they're homeless or whether they're at home with a family, the nighttime is the dark time. And so we hope with our MP3 package, we have a very simple mission. If the soldier will take our package, go to the website and design their own library, when the darkness comes, if they push the little round button in the middle of our MP3 player, we can get them to the daylight. That is Other than really that, terrific. not much going on. Pardon? Oh, I know that. That's why I call you the Renaissance man. <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, uh, today, well, in the last couple of days, oil has gone down to one of the, uh, I think, the lowest in three years, and mm -hmm. uh, expected to go another $10 lower. And, I think uh, it will, yes. Uh, so having said that, and our, our audience are small businesses, what's mm -hmm. the um, – and uh, I have found your your uh, predictions and your insights uh, profoundly uh, um, uh, accurate. What, is, what does that mean for small businesses today? Well, if you think – Anything if you else think you want to say? Sure. Uh, well, you know me. I'll say whatever I want to say. Um, I am I am far from being politically correct. Um, uh, so what what I think is is happening here is that that is extremely important to small businesses. Um, I don't know your your marketplace, but I'm a small businessman. I you know I'm myself. At one time, I had a much bigger staff, but I I just decided that I was enough to handle myself. So, um, but. When you think about it, think about what impacts our life. Oil and petrochemicals derived from oil affect an enormous amount of everything we consume, 
what we wear, what we eat, how we drive. If we have, in fact, a situation, which I think has already happened, that America is now energy independent, meaning we have more natural gas than we need, and now I believe we have more oil than what we need, we have created a situation where we're no longer demand in the global oil markets. <clears throat> in fact, we were the top importing nation in the world, and I think that that's about done. So what's happening is as the price of crude oil, West Texas Intermediate Crude, comes down, um, for a lot of small businessmen and women, their principal way they do business is going out and seeing people and driving their cars and putting 30, 40, 50, 60,000 miles on their cars. So they're huge consumers of gasoline. So the first thing that's going to happen is, and it's already happening, uh, right now in some areas of the Midwest, the, the average price of a gallon of regular gasoline is below $3. Uh, that was before the $10 drop in crude oil over the last few days. I believe by a week from now we're going to see the average price of regular gasoline somewhere in the neighborhood of 260 to 275. It will work its way through and as crude oil I think continues to fall towards 7172, we will see crude oil fall um probably to the 7172 which means that gasoline will probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 225 to 250. Now, when you think about what what a family is paying or a small businessman is paying to put gas in his or her car, gasoline is one of their most expensive items, meaning uh, a big chunk of the company's budget, especially if you're a small business, will be spent on gasoline and oil and maintenance for the car. If you see a significant decline in the cost of fuel, uh, that differential going from 325 to 2225 or a dollar a gallon becomes profit for the small business person. But on top of that, as the cost of petroleum feedstocks goes down, the customers, the small business people, will see all the things that they have uh, that, that that are required in petrochemical, whether it's it's plastic for their, their shipping envelopes or or their paper stock or their clothes or things like that, they're going to see a significant decline. And so that means that the the small businessman who can get control of his or her energy costs and directly and indirectly uh, has the potential to make significant more profit than what they were doing for the same activity as little as two months ago. However, there's a downside. I believe that there's a glut of oil on the world, and that most of the glut is because the European economy has not flourished. It's still still stagnating. The CRT and central banks have gone into quantitative easing to try and stimulate the economy. They've cut interest rates, which has diminished the value of their currency. Uh, the the for example, the pound sterling is now under 160. It was almost 172 just a few weeks ago. In fact, all the major currencies around the world are falling against the dollar. 
we have relatively considered the world, we have relatively high interest rates. Now, today, we had a major breakthrough when we had the yield on the 10-year Treasury drop for a while below 2%. This also means that the cost of money for running a small business will come down as your borrowing costs should come down as interest rates continue to go lower. So that the, the the downside or the negative part of all this good news is I believe we're going to start into a period for some period of time on a global basis that we're going to experience a deflation. And that's not a good thing. Why not? Um, because um, it's not a good thing because Deflation diminishes the value of the goods and services. The pricing, for example, that a small businessman, with with the with the belief that we are in a deflationary period, the pricing power of the small business person will be diminished because their customers will expect lower prices with lower cost of energy and other factors, and so. Demanding lower prices may, in fact, impact the margin. And while the fuel savings and other other costs may be profitable to the small business, the small business person may be seeing some significant pricing pressure. In addition, when you have a deflationary environment, labor has no pressure, has no leverage to 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 get uh, price increases because the surplus of labor in the United States today is such that um, you might want to demand $15 an hour minimum wage, but if you want to get a job in a deflationary environment, it's going to get it's going to be a lot less. Um, when you have deflation, inflationary assets, meaning things like gold, are going to become uh, worth less, not worthless, but worth less. So right now we have about around $1,200 an ounce for gold, for example. Um, I know there's some pundits out there that are saying that gold will be $2,000 by the end of the year. I, I, I think it could be $1,000 by the end of the year. So real estate is another inflation hedge. Um, I think that the recovery that we've had in the real estate market uh, may come under pressure because of deflation, uh inflationary assets assets are worth less. So people are going to be buying houses because they need a place to live, not speculating in real estate. So it could be a very serious problem um, that we could be facing as we try and adjust to the reality of a, a deflationary environment. The second thing, that, especially as it comes to energy, um, is... Uh, we have a situation where I make no no uh, criticism of a small businessman who owns a McDonald's or a Burger King or Wendy's franchise. I'm only using an example. But if there was a Wendy's or a McDonald's or a Burger King franchise in, De- in Tikrit, Iraq, I can guarantee you that that person working in that restaurant cannot earn enough money to pay for their AK-47 and their ammunition. And so they have to depend on somebody else to pay the bill. We saw recently in the uh, Hamas 
battle with Israel, uh, not widely reported, but that uh, Saudi Arabia said to Qatar, who was supplying the money to help Hamas buy the bombs that they were using and the missiles and the rockets, Saudi Arabia said to Qatar, either you stop sending them money or we will attack you. Uh, the money stopped immediately, and Hamas decided they needed to sue for peace. Um, what's going to happen is that as oil prices fall on the global markets, um, those countries in the Middle East who are big oil-producing nations have very specific cost ratios uh, that they need to make to sell their oil for in order to fund their economies. For example, in Kuwait, you have 450,000 Kuwaiti citizens, but you have 600,000 servants. If the price of oil drops below what it, the Kuwaiti break-even price is, the only way that the government can control or provide a, a continual standard of living for its people is that if it's losing money on its oil revenue, it has to start spending its treasury reserves. Then they're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to continue? Are we going to support our people and their lifestyle by liquidating our treasury reserves and hope that oil prices go back up, or are we going to spend the money to fund the terrorists? Uh, I think that many of the Middle Eastern countries who have been supporting terrorist activities and terrorist organizations like ISIL are going to find themselves in a situation that the money's going to dry up. And if the money dries up, if you can't get replacement bullets for your gun, uh, you're going to have to look for a different job. So one of the again, the, one of the place, one of the pluses is that we could actually see tremendous pressure on the revenue, the oil revenue that's being sent to the terrorist groups, because the uh, the oil, OPEC nations cannot afford to do that and maintain their relationship with their actual citizens. Well, uh, I always learn a lot listening to you, Dan. Uh, but <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do you think sure. the, dro the drop in oil in oil prices will uh, help the, the uh, Democrats hold the Senate? I don't think there's, and I don't mean to be facetious, Don. You know me. I, I, uh, I don't miss words. I, I can't imagine anything that could happen between now and the November elections that would allow the Democrats to hold the Senate. I just don't I don't see it. But, well, but just be, just because the Democrats don't don't hold the Senate doesn't necessarily mean that anything positive is going to come out of it. Well, uh, uh, in terms of small business, why, why do you say that? I think there are a lot of Republicans who are not only incumbents, but Republicans who are running for re-election are Republicans that are name only. I mean, I know this doesn't have a lot to do with small business, but in, in a sense it does. What I'm about to tell you, um, it, it has to do with uh, our freedoms as individuals in the United States, our freedom of expression, our freedom of religion, the separation of church and state. Houston, Texas has a, a lesbian mayor. 
And the city council has passed regulations which are looking, they're trying to get the, to challenge that says that all pastors who are preparing any sermons that deal with homosexuality or lesbian, lesbians or gay marriage or any of these kind of social issues must turn their sermons into the government before they give them. Now, something's wrong in our country um, where we now have the government demanding that the, the preachers have to turn in their sermons before they give them. You know, I I happen to, as a money manager, I happen to have, I would say virtually all of my clients are small business people. And I know that the frustration that I hear from my clients uh, of of the government regulation, the government involved in their business, the amount of taxes, taxes that we pay, the the welfare state, the the um, the dependency of such a huge percentage of our American population on the government for their existence. Um, my clients, who I said are small business people, uh, I, I would have to say to you, Don, uh, having been in this business for over forty years, I've never heard more people. Uh, like me, who are small business people who are, for lack of a better word, despondent or dis- under despair. They they don't recognize the country that they grew up in. This is not the America that they grew up in. This is not, not the situation that, um, that our founding fathers saw. And so uh, the regulation, the the Republicans who are Republicans in name only, uh, the Democrats who are so um, populist and so socially driven that the government has to do everything. Um, There are now people who are openly saying, Don, that um, when we were growing up, our parents would say to us that they hope that they raised us in such a way as that we could have a better life than them. And that's been the American dream almost from the beginning, that each subsequent generation works hard to achieve whatever it is they can achieve so that the next generation is better off than the previous generation. Um, I, I look at my four sons, and I wonder whether they will ever be able to achieve anywhere near what I've achieved. Um and not, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying I, I, I don't see, um, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I have four sons. Three are married. Two of them have children. Um, one of them who has the two children, in every real estate tra- transaction that he did as his income went up, he lost money, and he lost a very significant amount of money. The last transaction on a house that he had to sell, he lost $250,000. So my younger son, he has no interest in buying a house. Uh, he's not sure that real estate. So the the uh, risk takers that are necessary for small business to thrive, um, I don't think we have a government or a country that is encouraging people to, to want to take risks to form new business. And I think that uh, one of my sons is a specialist in ESOP transaction. He works for a private investment banking firm. 
and he's inundated with people my age and your age who are looking to sell their businesses to their employees um, because they want to get out because they it's not fun anymore. And I'm not just sure that it's fun for even younger entrepreneurs and small business people. Wow, that's a, a lot. I wanted to, to just comment on something. In 1936, sure. the German uh, government of Hitler asked the Pastor told pastors of the churches that they had to submit their sermons. Mm, I didn't know didn't if you know were that. aware of that. I was not. I, I had not, not heard of the, the Houston thing, um, what you just said, uh, but mm-hmm. it immediately came to mind. Um, uh, it's in well, William Shire's book. You go uh, back to the, you go back to Mister uh, Mister Hitler, and what else did he do? He took away the guns, and he got control of the national health care. By taking away the guns and being control of health care, he basically got control of the people. Right. And they acquiesced to him. And we have a president who wants to take control of the entire health care system. We've got a government that's trying desperately and has been trying to take away any gun that we have. Um, it's amazing. And... and uh, and yet we have tens of millions of Americans who don't see anything wrong with that. And that's what's scary to me. It is. Uh, the other thing, um, as a member of the media, is, is if you the parallels between uh, 1930, journal, uh, 1930 German journalism and today's mm-hmm. journalism is also the same. But, um, really? uh, Dan, uh, Dan, if people want to know more about you and more about your books... Uh, uh, tell them where they can find it. If you go, if you have access to a computer and you go to Google, uh, when you p- pull up Google, you, you go for a Google search, you just put in my name, Dan Perkins. That's all you have to put in. And Perkins, spell it out. D-A-N, first name Dan, last name Perkins, P-E-R-K-I-N-S. And generally speaking, I come out number one on the first on the search engine, which will take you to my a click to my book website, which has um, information about uh, both books. You can download the first 50 pages for free. There are hundreds of radio interviews and uh, maybe 40 or 60 book interviews, plus some press coverage and op-ed pages that I do where I publish some op-eds. Um, so there's lots to... Lots to do on the book website, lots of information, and uh, and uh, you can also there's also a bookstore on the website where you can buy paperback or hard copy ebook of the first two books, and book one is also now out in audiobook. Dan. Well, okay, now Dan, as one fi- final thought, what would you say to a small business today that's a, uh, about where things you think are going in the next uh, uh, six months? I, I think that uh, um, I think that if, if we if the Democrats lose control of the Senate, we've got to get through the lame duck period, which will take us to the end of the year. And then we'll have to see how much the Republicans have control of the Senate, how much of it they control. And then 
we're going to see what people are going to do. Are they going to step up? Are they going to start cutting the regulations and getting the government off the back and allow people? Um, in 40-some in years of doing business, Don, one of the things that I've known and experienced is that small business people generally come up with really good ideas. Their biggest challenge of why they fail isn't because their ideas are good, aren't good or because they don't work hard. Is that they're underfunded. They don't have enough money to get them through that first 24 months. So I would certainly look and make sure that you've got SBA loans if you can qualify for them, um, local investors. Uh, but I, I think there will be an opportunity. There's always opportunity in adversity. And small business people who are willing to take risk, uh, I want to believe, have an opportunity to succeed. And uh, they may have a succeed opportunity to succeed extremely well. So I think get your business plan together. Make sure you've got enough capital. See if you have a viable product in a, in a, or a service in a niche that you can stake for yourself and go out there and do the best you can. And uh, with a little luck and um, tenacity and some money in your pocket, you I think you still have a good chance to succeed. But the problem is, Don, that more and more people are less interested in starting small businesses. Did you know that last year was the lowest number of new starts in uh, businesses in five years? I was aware of that, and I, and I think that it's it's you know one of the most. Um, I did an op-ed recently, uh, which you may have seen, that talked about how the fact that the United States is now the second largest economy in the world behind China. And over the last six years, the United States has grown approximately 5.44% for the period, or less than 1% a year. At the same period of time, the same six years, the Chinese economy has grown at almost 45%, or a little over 7% a year. Um, we have a huge unemployment rate we have tens of millions of people on the public dole. Um, we don't have the businesses, and yet if we were to get the government off our back and let us go out and drill for energy, it is the last best hope of this country, not only to become energy independent, but I think there's a possibility that the lame duck Congress, if not the lame duck, the new Congress will in fact eliminate the restrictions that America can export crude oil. If we can do that, we can dominate the world markets in oil, and we can put a lot of people to work in small businesses supporting the oil infrastructure, and we can destroy OPEC, and we can get rid of the terrorists. Well, thank you, Dan. you got to come back again, probably after the election, and we'll talk again. I'd love to. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for a really interesting uh, uh, half hour. Thank, uh, come again. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening. And we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week 
at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.